rapture. Amen. That's what I believe. Amen. I believe the church of the living God is getting ready for change. Let me bump that up just a little bit, Brother Tim. I believe we're getting ready for change. Amen. And uh, that's what's on our heart this morning is change. Amen. I believe, I believe that we have change upon us. I believe it's the season and the hour of it. I believe God has sent so many things into this age and time that we can no longer, amen, ignore what God has so graciously done in our generation. Uh, we want to definitely say that we have enjoyed these meetings. What a blessing and what a time of fellowship that it's been. Uh, we are highly honored to share the stage with these men of God. And, and uh, I feel like that we're, we're able to be a part of things that will be talked about for days to come. Amen. And uh, Brother Tim, we certainly appreciate and you and your church and family, Brother Timothy, allowing us to come and stand with you in this in this time of fellowship and have confidence. And uh, we want to thank you as a church family at Evening Light Tabernacle and all of you that has came. Uh, we want to say special thanks to you all that was a part of our uh, uh, camp this uh, in August there, our youth camp. Brother Nathan Erickson and uh, Brother Ronnie put on a wonderful camp uh, uh, there at Labor Day. And we want to thank you all for your participation, for your backing of it, for your support. And uh, these men of God came, Brother Timothy and Brother Andrew, and uh, they tore it up. I I got to be there for all the services, and I, I was just, just tremendously blessed by what they had to say and the way God came and backed it up. Amen. And I think um, we, we just certainly appreciate it. And from True Word Tabernacle and from our pastor, Brother Erickson, we just want to thank each and every one of you. God bless you for your for your support. Amen. And today we have a few things upon our heart. I'd like to, if we could, maybe just before we go into the word, maybe we could just turn to prayer. We just bow our hearts together. Gracious Lord, we are so thankful today for the grace that you have shown us, for the blessing. Lord, that you have given grace, Lord, to our lives. To Father, to let us stand and to preach your gospel in such a season. Father, in such a time like this that we're living. But there's something in our heart, Lord, that's looked beyond the veil and the troubles and all the things that are happening. And Lord, we see something taking place in the supernatural. And I want to thank you for sight to see it and faith to believe it. Now, Lord Jesus, as we speak today from our heart upon things that I believe concerning this age and time i pray lord that you would come by this way and bless it may you bless the hearer of the word lord and father i pray that there be a special something for every young person for every elder lord for every person in this building may you bring your word may you feed your people father may you give them of your great mercies today lord now lord as we endeavor to speak we ask you for your mercy in the name of jesus christ we pray amen and amen and god bless you amen if you have your bibles today uh, we want to look into the scripture in the book of philippians the third chapter and the 20th verse philippians 3 20 21 and we'll also be looking at first corinthians 15 and 51 amen what a what a tremendous message last night i don't have to ask you if you enjoyed it i know you did amen and uh, it was a, a tremendous blessing uh, to be able to be here and to fellowship. And I was kind of hoping, brother, would just preach again today. Is, is what my, he, he didn't even acknowledge me. And uh, <laughs> uh, 
Amen. But we appreciate him giving to us so wonderfully and of his energies. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. For our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall change our vile body? So Paul is not just asking, he's declaring the Lord Jesus Christ who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like an unto his glorious body. Now, if one someone ever asks you if that there is an actual body of Jesus, Paul believed that. He said that it may be fashioned like an unto his glorious body according to the work and whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. Now, in 1 Corinthians 15 and 51, we want to read here, Apostle Paul, he's that apostle to the Gentile church. He brought some beautiful things to us. The letter to the Corinthians is a letter of correction, of course, but he put some promises in there. It was very powerful. In 1 Corinthians 15, 51, I'm just going to read the one verse. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. We ask the Lord to bless his word as you can be seated this morning. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. I'd like to speak to you just a few minutes today upon the mystery of our change. Upon the mystery of of our change. You know, I believe we're living in changing times. I don't really believe that we would have to stand here all day to declare that the seasons are changing, that times are changing, but I believe if you just just living in this life just now that you see so many changes. Someone that who was born in the early 1900s that would still be here uh, th- there's been so many changes from uh, my parents in the, from the 1940s till right now. There's been so many changes on the planet. There's so many things that's happening that it would just be impossible for you to deny that there is great change that has taken place and is taking place as we speak. Uh, change is happening so quick. But as the changes come, development, knowledge, as the scripture said that it would come, Of course, we know there's two great trees coming to fruit. There's the tree of life and there's also the tree of knowledge and evil. And it's all coming to to fruition at the same time. Now, in this kind of time that we're living, a prophet predicts the greatest storms that ever was given, spiritually speaking, would strike this age. This would be the season of time when confusion would take over churches. That it would become a famine to even understand what the real word of God is. Because so many people are saying so many things. So clouds of lies and deceit and the storms of of denominational understandings. And it would just be scattered so much that it would literally just become a gloom over the earth. And people wouldn't really even know what to believe or how to believe. It is is the tactic of the devil to cause confusion so that everybody doesn't trust anything that is said. So that it breaks down the levels of trust. Now we realize that. There's a lot of things said. Now, I'm, I'm, a, I'm just an old country boy, and y'all forgive me, but I grew up raccoon hunting up there in Arkansas, and we, we did it with, a, with an old dog. It was an old, I had an old red dog. It wasn't very good. Actually, mostly treed possum, but I enjoyed going, you know. I, it, was a, it was always a good time to go. And, uh, and you know, was, uh, at 15, I couldn't hardly get anybody to go with me, so a lot of times I went by myself. But sometimes it was better going by yourself because you didn't have to argue about direction, you know. There's nothing worse than it is getting in the woods with a pile of guys 
guys and you know you're 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 somewhere's way off from the pickup and you've been walking for three or four hours and a little bit of fog settles and there's no stars and we nobody carried compasses when I was a kid, you know, you just took off and went back to the truck. But there was always those guys, you know, you get on the you get on flat ground, it's a little different than it is in hills, but there's always those guys that they are sure that the truck's that way and the truck is actually that way. And that is the weirdest feeling you've ever had because you want to be nice and go with them. But, but, but if you do, you know, I'm going to walk that way an hour and then I got to turn around and come right back where I'm at. And it, so it's a little bit hard on you. So, so what you do is you, 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 you know, you, you're praying that somehow you can convince everybody this is the right direction, you know. And, uh, and you know, Brother Branham talks a lot about that when he talks about uh, in Hurricane Mountain when he got lost chasing. Remember, and he got going around in circles. But there was something about the story of Hurricane Mountain that was so powerful is that he said, remember the fog cleared enough that he got a view of Hurricane Mountain. So what he needed was a view of a landmark to set a direction. And once the direction was set, he knew which way to walk. Now, what we find then is that there are landmarks in the message of the hour. There are quotes that stick out to the message believer, and those are landmarks. And we don't want to move the landmarks because they're what keeps the right direction for the church, for the people of God. See, in the season that we're living right now, with all these things happening, with all these troubles going on, with the COVID and with all the persecutions of the church and all these things, it's easy for people to begin to say, well, it looks like the church could start going through some tribulation, or we've got some uh, a great uh, persecutions to happen into the church. How many realize that? there's a whole movement of people that are looking for a great a squeeze or a pressure uh, to the place that the church is going to get in position if they get enough pressure put on them. Well, I have to be honest with you. You, If you study very long or you're involved in a church, actually the more pressure you put on people, the more division comes if they don't like each other. Amen. And, you know, somebody said, well, Brother Wayne, it was a, I, I know Brother Branham said some things early on, but, you know, in 1964, Brother Branham says this. He said, will the bride go through the persecution as the early apostolic church did? This is a question. Amen. Will the bride go through a persecution as the early apostolic church did? Answer from a word prophet. No, I just explained a few minutes ago. The next thing is a rapture. Remember, we're at the promised land, we're at the border, and you understand about the march of Israel. Now, this is my thoughts, ministering brother, in my own way, the way I feel the Holy Spirit has revealed to me, the next thing that is to happen to the Gentile elected bride is to be caught up with the rest of the Gentile elected bride that's been down through the ages. Now, the next thing, so people say to me, Brother Wayne, do you think we're going to have to go through these great trials and we're going to have a, a like a tribulation strike the church and there's going to be great what do, you, what do you think? Well, let's ask a prophet what he thought and let that be the landmark. So if it's a landmark, it's the direction of the church that we're not looking for persecution, we're looking for rapture. Amen. And it matters what you're looking for. It determines on how you prepare for what you're doing. If you're looking for rapture, you want to get in the spirit of rapture. If you're looking for rapture, you want to get in the atmosphere of rapture. Amen. Now the scriptures uh, declare it. And I, I'm just speaking here to a prophet. He said now here in uh, 1961, Abraham's covenant. He said now, listen, he says now one thing that did he did promise Abraham not one thing did he do to Abraham but what he's done to give this church except one thing that's the change of the body 
One thing, the change of the body. As it was in the days of Sodom, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. We see the thing taking place right now. What was the next thing? The change of the body. Now, here and later in the quote, the next thing coming of the rapture of the church, the change of the body of the sleeping of the saints. Amen. Do you see what he's, Brother Bram is very specifically saying, what we're looking to is the change of the body. What we're looking for as a church is a change of the body. Amen. Now, in North at Night, 1965, Brother Bram said, I don't see one thing that will hinder, he said, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ outside of the readiness of the church. Amen. There's nothing hindering this morning outside the readiness of the church. Isn't that powerful? Amen. To know that there is no scripture barring us from the change of our body. The prophet of God said that the spirit of God has come for the setting order of the coming of the Lord. Now, there's a lot of things that are in order and out of order, and I know that, but one thing is in order this morning is the change of the body. Listen, if you're here in the middle of this meeting and you feel like changing your body, just go ahead. Amen, if you're here this morning and, and the elements in your body start transitioning on you, don't hold that back. Just let it go and the rest of us will join in with you because it's in order. That's the next thing that could happen. Do you know it could happen before you leave this meeting this morning? This is so up on us in this generation. It could happen before we left the meeting today. I am living in expectation of the change of my body. Somebody said, well, I tell you what, this one might go before the rapture and this one might go, but you know, you might never have another day in your life as a mortal being. There could be something strike this meeting this morning that will change your body. I believe that should be the expectation of the church of the living God. I don't believe we're expecting, amen, to go through another hundred years. I don't believe we're expecting a bunch of tribulation. What we're expecting is one more sweep of the baptism of the Holy Ghost to catch a fire the church of the living God and to change our bodies in the moment in the twinkling of an eye that is what I am under expectation for the prophet of God said let me tell you this I can prove to you those visions none of those visions are wrong and were they not all fulfilled yes each one of them has been fulfilled or is in the process right now Amen, this day, this scripture, where are we at in this Abrahamic age? He said, this has been such a great time where we're standing. The great hour we're living in, all the visions have been fulfilled. Amen, now the prophet says in the Feast of the Trumpets, it's a mystery that's gotta be revealed now in this day by the Son of Man, the evening message. He says, see, it'll turn it back. The last sign that was seen was the discernment before the change of the body. Amen, here again, paragraph 304. The trumpet sounds for Israel. Two prophets is ready to appear. What is it? The church must get off the scene so they can appear. The church must get off the scene so they can appear. Do you see what he's saying? The prophet over and over is saying, this is the time for change. The only thing that's holding up the tribulation is you. Amen, the only thing that's between you and an entire world plunged into tribulation is the church. That's why we don't believe the church goes through tribulation. We are the ones holding the tribulation from taking place. Now, right now, we're, we're all aware of this huge thing going on with Russia. 
I mean, it, it's all over the newspapers. It's all over the news channels. It's, it's everywhere because even an American president just said we are closer to Armageddon right now than we were since the missile crisis in the 1960s. Can you imagine the 1960s when they were at the, at the brink of, of, the, of the change right there? Prophet of God actually said he met one of the generals from the army in a, in a little meeting. He said the man said he had received orders to fire the missile back there in the 60s. He said, but something wouldn't let him fire it. He said, Brother Bram said, see, and a few minutes later they called him and said, see, it was a blip on the screen. It's a good thing you didn't fire the missile. He said, now why didn't the missile fire? He said, because there was somebody left on the earth. That was a reason, because somebody was left on the earth. Now, church of the living God, amen, that is in the 1960s, God was waiting for a generation. Now, you might not think you're worth anything. You might, not want, you might wonder why you're here this morning, but God has held back the hands of the time and tribulation because there is a bride who was coming. There was a generation of promise in this Bible, one that will not hinder the changing of our body. There's got to be a generation on the earth that will let this word so get alive in them and it will change not only their habits they will only change the way they think it will change their martial bodies with this Russia pushing like it is amen and our president saying these things I believe it right now I believe it's so close I believe it's so close right now. I mean, you, you know, even the, the super wealthy of the world, they're, they're buying bomb shelters and building and building uh, uh, caves out of them, amen, that they can hide in. They're going to old missile silos and they're equipping them, preparing to survive a nuclear war. Some of them, amen, like Elon Musk is trying to get to Mars. They're, they, they, know, they know they're trying to get a different place to live. They know this is coming. There is no way for it to be. Brother Brandon said, but you know, I'm glad that we have a shelter. I'm glad that we have a shelter for the name of the Lord is a mighty tower that the righteous can run in. He said, no matter how many bombs, no matter how many, anything else, we're gonna be safe there. He said, so the world in the center is having a shelter or they've got a safety place in a shaken time. But I believe if I wasn't a Christian, I'd go crazy thinking of what might happen anytime. I know there's a bunch of mothers sitting in here right now. I know, hey amen, you're wondering what's gonna happen, Brother Wayne, what's gonna happen? How's this gonna happen? My family, what's gonna take place for my kiddies? Brother Bram said if he wasn't a Christian, he said I would go crazy with a house full of kids and everything. I wouldn't know what to do, but I'm glad that I can stand in my house and introduce them to a shelter that no bomb can ever touch or nothing else under the protecting wings of the Lord Jesus Christ, not by power, not by mind, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. That is our protection. We are not protected by bomb shelters. We are protected by the power of the Holy Ghost. The token is the Holy Ghost. Case closed. There is no other token. It is the literal life of Jesus Christ that has sheltered the church of the living God. I'll tell you what, amen. I don't believe we have to be scared of hydrogen bombs. Amen, but I believe as long as you got Christ in your heart, the best bomb shelter I know of is made out of feathers. Under these wings abide, don't worry about these things if you are a Christian. If you are a Christian, 
Don't you worry about these things. See, hey man, it's, you, know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? If you hunt with some people and they're all saying we gotta go this way to the truck and others are saying we gotta go this way to the truck, we need to, we need to build some bomb shelters. We need to get ready for this and we need to do this and we need to do this. But I thank God, hey amen, that there is a message. I thank God there's a direction for the church of the living God. I appreciate men of God that have caught the direction of God in this age. You know, hey amen, I remember years ago as a young preacher hearing Brother Tim preach and I remember him saying something along these lines. He said, you know, up till 1964 in the Feast of the Trumpets, Brother Branham did preach persecution, but there was a corner that was turned in 1964. Amen. And the opening of the word became a corner that purges the church, not tribulation, not persecution, and it's a landmark and there are other men that know these landmarks are there. We're not standing here by ourselves saying this is the landmark and we are to go. There's other men of God that have caught these things and seen them all over the world because this is a universal rapture. This is not a rapture just for your church. It's not a rapture just for your family, but this is a universal change. It's coming over the church of the living God. I don't care what language you speak. I don't care what color you're skin. I don't care what social class you belong to. Amen. There's a rapture coming on the church and the power of God is going to change these bodies. It's the greatest bomb shelter there is. If you're a Christian, don't worry about these things. I stand at the door and knock. Let me, let me show you Brother Bram's spirit concerning this. Hey Amen. I stand at the door and knock. Brother Bram said something. It's very good. He got, how many knows he ever, he preached a message called the handwriting on the wall? Now, that's a message of judgment if you ever heard one. He breaks it down like Daniel shows you we're at the judgment. But in a message stand at the door knock, I found the prophet's spirit in a quote. He said, you know, it's revealed, to, uh, revealed in God's word to see the hour we're living in and surely we're at the end. Now he was going to preach a message called handwriting on the wall. But he didn't have a second service to preach so he only had one service so he would not preach the handwriting on the wall that day. He waited till another time. He said, because I don't want to leave the people in that condition that without bringing another message to follow it, to give the hope to the church, that leaves the people wondering and makes them nervous. He would not speak a message of judgment without speaking a message of change. The prophet of God said, I spoke handwriting on the wall on Sunday morning, but then on Sunday night, I preached the church rapturing before the tribulation. So in the morning, he preached judgment, and in the evening time, he preached a message of change and resurrection and rapture. I don't know about you, but he didn't preach a message of judgment for me. He judged this world, but he preached a message of rapture and change for the church of the living God. And I accept the message of change. Yes, Russia's gonna destroy the Vatican. Yes, you don't have to worry about it. This America's gonna be in craters. Yes, it's going to happen. But before it can take place, there is gonna be a bride setting in glory. That's thus saith the Lord. Before it can take place, before it can take place, there's a church gonna set in glory. A prophet used the scripture. And he said he told them as it was in the days of Noah and as it was in the days of Lot. He said the day Lot left Sodom, fire fell. 
after Noah entered the ark, rain began to fall. He said, I can't do nothing until you come hither. And God cannot do nothing in the way of judgment until the bride is out of the way. Do you see the anointing on us? Do you see the headship? He said, get out of the way, bride. Now, how do I get out of the way? I've got to get into the word and let the word begin to transform and let the spirit of God begin to move on me the planted word of the age that will begin to change me. I believe we are to comfort one another with these words. He says what Paul said. We should comfort one another with these words. You know, there's times in your life that only comfort you're going to get is the word. There's no comfort in the news. There's no comfort in the world. But in the word of God, there's a comfort laying there if you believe it. Now, God does nothing without purpose. I'm absolutely positive God does nothing without purpose. So if there is a tribulation, there is a purpose for tribulation. And if you discover the purpose, then you know what's going on at that time. The purpose of God was was divided in a three-part purpose by a prophet of the age. Now, can I say this very clearly? One of those purposes was not to destroy his bride. Now, you say, well, Brother Wayne, when this, takes, when this rapture takes place, he said, with all the believers, families, wife and children go, he said, they are in faith and trusting in Jesus. Will they go? Yes. Yes. Will my family go in the rapture? Yes. Now, I, when I was preaching a couple years ago, I was looking at this quote, and there was actually a sister on the line listening to when I was preaching. She wasn't even in the church and told me after the service, she said, I've been worried day and night about my new babies, wondering what was gonna happen if judgment would fall, if I would go in the rapture, would I leave my children at home? He's, but the prophet of God asked the question. I'm sure mother asked it. Amen, will they go with us? He said, yes, yes, that's two. And will they go in the family? In the Yes, he says, yes, yes, yes. Yes, they will go. You say, preacher, why in the world would you bring that up? Because you don't have to be old to go in the rapture. You don't have to be dead to go in the rapture. Listen, the same God that can take an old person and make them young again can take a young person and make them 20 years old. It doesn't matter which way God changes a body. He can change the body. He can, listen, I'm, 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 I know where I'm standing. He met his Sharon Rose beyond the curtain of time. She was a six-month-old baby. And she was 18 years old in the vision. So God took the young and made them 20-year-old. And he took the old and he made them 20 year old because that's the age of the theophany. It's a 20 year old. Brother Bram said a perfect place, a perfect shape and God does nothing without purpose. Six seal, Brother Bram said three folds of the purpose was number one, he said of course it's to purge the foolish virgin. He said of course it's to purge the 144,000 and then it's to purge the earth. But the most beautiful part of that is what's not in his purpose. Not one place in that scripture will you find in the sixth seal that the bride is in there. You can break it up any way you want. You can dig it from corner to corner. I have went over the sixth seal with every which direction you can go over it. The bride is not in the tribulation. You can't find her in there. You can't put her in there. You can't imagine her in there because God said she wouldn't be in there. 
said, preacher, what are you saying? There's no reason for her to be in there. God would have to have a reason to put her there. But he has no reason because the tribulation is to purge them who have not been formerly purged. But the prophet of God said it ought to be truly settled in every believer's heart. The church, the tribulation period, you cannot put Nowhere the church in tribulation. The church, sure, but not the bride. The bride is gone. She has not one sin against her at all. The grace of God has covered her. The bleach of every has took every sin so far away. There's not even a remembrance of the sin. It's a thing of purity, perfect in the presence of God. He said, preacher, how can you teach that a church don't go to tribulation? Because there's no reason for her to go into tribulation. There is not one sin against her at all oh church the prophet of God said it's been took so far away from you the church has already been judged another quote and have accepted the blood and how can God judge a man that's perfectly totally sinless I don't know what you think about yourself, but this is a word prophet. He's not in the first pool here. He's not in the second pool here. He's in the third pool here. He's not discerning the heart of man. He's not prophesying over you. He's discerning the heart of God. He's looking in God's heart. And he said he has not one thing against you at all. Said, preacher, what does that mean? That means that somebody sitting here right now is already absolutely sinless before the Almighty God. And either that's the truth or it ain't. But if it is the truth, then why are we living like we're underprivileged children and we're borrowing time and somehow something's going to catch up? Listen, God don't have anything against you. God ain't sitting there waiting just to smash you like a bug. Amen. He is a God of mercy, He is a God of grace, and He has foreordained this bride from the foundations of the world that she might be holy and without blame before him in love he doesn't have one thing against her at all brother you say there ain't such a person brother man said it you say there ain't such a person he said every born again believer every true believer is perfectly absolutely sinless before God Well, how many born-again believers we got in here tonight? Absolutely, perfectly sinless before God. How can you make a man a sinner when the bleach of the blood of Jesus is between him and God? That would scatter sin till there'd be nothing left of it. You said, Brother Wayne, but I know about something happened back there and this and that. There ain't nothing left of it. Said so preacher, it's in my memory. That's all right, but it ain't in God's. It matters who remembers it. And God said he don't remember. You might not be able to forget, but he has access to the sea of his forgetfulness where he has taken our sins and thrown them into the sea. Somebody said, well, you ought not preach about the blood. Why not? It's the promises of God. Is it not? Is that all we're supposed to do is beat you over the head with some kind of judgment? Is that all we're supposed to do is line everybody up and preach legalism every week? Well, that might work for a foolish virgin, but not for this blood-bought bride. Listen, you've got the wrong class of people. This bride has been in the blood of Jesus Christ, and God has obliterated every sin that's against that bride, and because she stands there spotless before him, it gives her a confidence before her God. You can't make him a sinner. 
Now in the time of trouble, he would hide me. See, you gotta know who you are in the Bible. I believe you need to identify who you are in scripture. Amen, if you can see who yourself, then you know what's coming. Amen, if you can only remember and realize that there are types in scripture that's called bride types. And one of the bride types was Rebecca. Amen, everybody said, well, Brother Brandon wasn't Eliezer. Well, if he wasn't, you ain't Rebecca. But if he was, you are Rebecca. And if you're Rebecca, you were found in the evening light. You wasn't found in the morning light, you wasn't found in the noonday, but in the evening time, Eliezer found Rebecca coming to the well at the time of the virgins. He didn't know who he was there to choose, but God had foreordained it. And the reason she received the message of Eliezer is because the angel that sent him went with him and went 30 minutes in front of him and prepared the heart of her to receive that message before it was ever spoke to her. You don't think God didn't prepare you before the foundations of the world, before God ever even wrote the Bible. He already knew who you were, where you'd be found, and what time. Listen, I know what I'm talking about here. There are people in this Bible that don't come to light to a certain moment in scripture. Come on, how long was Rahab the harlot out there in Jericho? She was there the whole time that Moses was out there in the wilderness, but she never came in light. But the minute Joshua began to cross the Jordan, there was a light that shined, and there she was in the promises under Joshua. There's things written in this Bible you won't find till you come under evening light. And in the evening light, it began to reveal there was a Rebecca. And Rebecca was a special woman. She didn't really care about the gifts as much as she cared about making it to Isaac. Remember what they did with her? They come, amen, and she, and she was impressed with everything. But really what she wanted was to go to Isaac. That's really what she wanted was to, to get on that camel and go to the one that was the Lord and the owner of all the gifts. Come on, church. Amen. She wasn't just, she wasn't just satisfied with a little gift. She wanted to own the guy that gave the gift. Now, I know there's a bunch of dirty devils that'll take that and try to make something else out of it. But the point is, he didn't only have a few, he had them all. Come on, church. Amen. Yeah, we'll fight that another day. But I'll say this to you. Amen, Rebecca got up there on that camel because she was given the opportunity to go to Isaac. But she needed a ride, brother. Come on, she needed a ride. How are you ever gonna get there without help? How are you gonna get there without a ride? And whatever brought Eliezer was what was gonna take her home. Whatever brought him was her ride out of there. And I say this, I believe God sent this message. I believe the Holy Ghost sent this word. And if God brought the prophet on the Holy Ghost, he'll take the bride out on the same trail. Come on, I'm riding on it. I'm not riding on theology and man-made ideas, but the person of Christ has come among the church. Come on, I think it's time to get on your horse and ride. This message is supposed to make a second ride. Well, I'm looking at it right here this morning. It's happening. The vision is in front of us. Well, Brother Wayne, I can't take all this hollering you people do around here. Find out your type. We don't go through tribulation, but brother, we do, praise God. 
Come on, we're not going to walk to our Isaac. We're not going to have to borrow a ride, but we're going to praise God because Rebecca watered the camels of Isaac so the church of the living God will water the moving of the Holy Ghost. Say, well, why is she shouting so much? Her name is Rebecca. She can't help it. It's her type. She can't outlive her type. But thank God that if God had a type, there is a greater type when the fulfillment of it comes. So, Brother Wayne, I tell you what, man, I don't know about all this. Well, you get to watering it and you'll find out. Brother Bram said that camel represented a power. And it's the power of the Holy Ghost that takes you to meet your Isaac. And it's not some figment of my imagination. There is a real Isaac. Come on, everybody's trying to get us off of the camel. They're trying to say, well, we've already met our Isaac. I know the word has come. I'm good with that. I have no problem. I have met the word. I have met the revealed word. But there is a corporal body of Jesus Christ that is in another dimension. And I am going to take the ride that God sent into the church to change dimensions. Your bus won't get me there. Your airplane won't get me there. Your space shuttle won't get me there. But the power of the Holy Ghost will break from one dimension to another dimension. You gotta know your types. Come on, in the scripture, you're Rebecca. In the scripture, in the scripture, you're the woman that Joseph met while he was in Egypt. Amen, wasn't even of the Israel blood at all. But while they thought he was dead, while they thought that he was dead and had been done gone away. But before Joseph ever, before Joseph ever got captive, before he was ever beaten, before the blood was put on the garment and taken to his father, before any of that ever happened, there was a vision. There was a dream. There was something that was out in front of him. Now watch the beauty of this because whenever they took those garments and told his father he was dead, Israel believed he was dead. He wasn't dead at all. He was the Lord of another country. He was the Lord of another people. And out of that people, he took his bride. Woo, brother. Now you say, well, he forgot Israel. No, he didn't. They asked him one time, said, could you forget Israel? He said, prophet, he said, take a measuring stick and measure the sea. Amen, count the stars. He said, I cannot. He said, and neither can I ever forget Israel. A mother might forget her suckling babe, but I can never forget Israel. And God's got Israel on his mind. He's going to have Israel again. But the scripture teaches us when he began to reveal himself to his brethren, he could not do that until his wife was in the palace. I'll tell you what, God cannot reveal himself to those Jews until this bride is sitting in the palace and to get to the palace, you need a ride. You tell me how you're gonna get there without the Holy Ghost ride. But God sent a ride to take us from one dimension to Brother Wayne, can I get a ticket? Sure, the token is available today. What I gotta pay, paid for. Now, if the trumpet would give an uncertain sound, who could prepare? Who could make preparation? So, well, I need to prepare. I'll tell you what I'm preparing for, paradox. 
I'm preparing for paradox. That's actually what I'm doing. In my little, my little office, sitting listening to those tapes, what are you doing in there? I'm preparing for something. I'm not just preparing to speak to you. I'm preparing to change these atoms. Now, the change of this body, according to Philippians 3 and 20, Paul said our conversation is in heaven, which also we look for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall change our vile body, that it be fashioned like unto his own glorious body, according to the work and whereby he is able to subdue all things. Now, of course, this, this word vile actually speaks of humiliation. That's, that's what the word means. A vile body is a humiliated body. It's a, it's a, it's a body of, of humiliation. Brother Branham in the junction of time said, thankful Lord that someday we're going to be changed. That this old vile body of humiliation that we live in will be changed and fashioned and made like an unto your body. Can you, can you imagine God is promising the church that you're going to move from that body you're in to a body like God himself is dwelling in heaven. Except this will only be the body who has no scars. This tabernacle of humiliation. Amen. We are veiled in these tabernacles. This is the earnest of our perfect and complete redemption back there like it was in the Garden of Eden. We have a foretaste of glory divine by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The refreshment coming from the presence of God to the water of the church to make it grow in grace. And when we have sick and have redemption, the blessing, the attributes of Christ, divine healing as a foresign to someday this mortal will take on immortality. Someday, this mortal will take on immortality. The prophet of God said like this, someday we're going out of this tent. Someday from this dwelling place, the tabernacle of our humiliation, we're going to be changed. We're gonna step over in another land where it's purity when our feet first touches that blessed land. When the old ship of Zion blows for landing, we'll rush out and it's gonna be over then. Sickness and cripples and afflictions and everything will be gone. Old age, death, sorrow, natural things that was caused by this curse will be gone forever. We'll be changed. We'll be changed. Now, look, this is what he did for Abraham and this is what he's going to do for you. I'm thankful to know that there is a change coming. No matter what is happening in the world, there is a change coming. See, we could look at our, we could look at our humanity today and we could say, by this humanity, how could you think that there's going to be a change because of everything we are, everything we look at, everything about us is humiliation. But do you know that the only man who was ever born right was our Lord Jesus Christ. And our Lord Jesus Christ actually put aside his garments in heaven and came into the earth and took on mortal flesh and he himself put up a tent of humiliation and stepped into humiliation so he could come to the place where you are and show you that God can take you from humiliation to glorification as a son of God. Look what he did. Our Lord Jesus, he came down into the degradation of humanity. You wasn't actually born here in the world. You wasn't supposed to be like this. Things were not supposed to be this way at all. You should have never sinned. You should have never had the first struggle with trials. You should have never had the first problems in your life. Amen. If things would have been as they were in the original, Adam would have brought you in the garden of Eden and there would have been no struggles. There would have been no trials. There would have been no problems. 
come on now. But God, rich in mercy, wanted you to know he was a healer. He wanted you to know he was a savior. He wanted you to know. So God allowed the fall to take place. But listen, before there was a fall, there was a redeemer. Before there was sin, there was a, there was a savior. Before there was sickness, there was a healer. Amen. Before it could come into this place, there was already something that could get you back to where you come from. Now, our Lord Jesus came down as our representative, as a human. Almighty God came down and took upon him the degradation. Now, I think it's amazing when you read the scriptures and you find out that our Lord Jesus himself became humiliated while he was in the earth. Our Lord Jesus was humiliated. Now, I know some of you are being humiliated by your trials, by your diseases, by your struggles, by your problems, by your human body. It is humiliating for a millionaire to live in a shack. It's humiliating that you have been removed from that great position of heaven and have been stuck in this tabernacle of humiliation. Brother Bram calls a pest house where all the disease are living. You're humiliated. Be like, a, be like a millionaire living down in one of the boarding houses in Shreveport in the slums down there and he's trying to explain to everybody in there, look, I really don't belong here. I'm really a millionaire and, and, and they're all looking like, yeah, you're just another bum like we are. Amen. It's a humiliating position to be in but he really does have a place and I know people look at us and they think, well, y'all's just a bunch of nobodies but you don't understand that before I was here, I was in the mind of God as a son of God and when all of this is over, brother, I've got a mansion on the hilltop no wonder the world's fighting so hard. That's all they've ever got. But you and I, amen, we've got a place to go. Amen. Our Lord came down, humbled himself, and came into this earth, humiliated himself, and he was, amen, that we could be brought nigh to God. You know the Bible said that he was humiliated in judgment. Listen, friends, I, I don't know if you ever read these areas in the Bible, but if you read up there about the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus, it's the most humiliating scene in the entire Bible. That the king of all the kings, the greatest majesty of all majesties, never was a man like him, never was a man who ever be like him. He was our Lord Jesus Christ. And rather than honoring him, and rather than crowning him with a king and putting him upon a throne, they gave him a crown of thorns and they put him upon a cross and crucified him. Now why did they do that? For you and me. Now, I don't know, sometimes if you want to stop and think about it a minute, but whatever, whatever struggles you're going through, whatever humility you're in, I want you to know he took our shame. When they beat him, and they beat him at that post, and they put him under judgment, do you know he had a walk of shame like you would never walk in your life? He walked from that beaten post to Calvary, and let me tell you something, he didn't stop halfway. He didn't get under the load of the struggle and the problems and all the issues that was going on and say, well, never mind. You say, well, he was just the anointed son of God. But you know the prophet of God said that he separated from the spirit of God in the garden of Gethsemane and he went to the cross as a man. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but he was a mighty conqueror, brother. He was more than just a conqueror. He was a mighty conqueror. He didn't only conquer sin and disease. He conquered the flesh. 
and he obeyed God even when it meant the crucifixion of every desire, the crucifixion of every hope and every say every desire and every hope. Do you know this Bible said he was tempted in every like manner of man you are? He wasn't a, fa- a fake man. He wasn't a half man. He wasn't an angel man. The Bible said he came lower than the angels and took upon him the seed of Abraham that he might be tempted in every like manner Come on, you're sitting there saying, well, I tell you what, I don't know if he could survive the age we're in. Listen, he took every bit of the temptation you took and he supremely ruled over it. Come on, amen, that day at Calvary, he took every devil, every sin, every demon, and he carried them with him in the flesh under Calvary, a place he could destroy them. I tell you what, if you want to destroy spirits, take them to Calvary. Now the prophet of God taught us a lesson, didn't he? He said, if you wanna, if you wanna make a difference in your life and you want a new beginning, a new start, he said, drive a stake. Drive a stake. Amen. You'd see Brother Branham was taking God's principle. When God got ready to do away with all your sin, when he got ready to change the entire plan, when he got ready to reverse the problems, God drove a stake and put the bloody son, Jesus Christ, on the stake and said from this day forward, sin is defeated. Sickness is defeated. From this day forward, church of the living God, Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. We're not looking for another sacrifice. We are not looking for another blood. There is one man between God and man and that is the man Christ Jesus. So preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying it's the way to start over. God gives you ways to start over. I'm gonna preach to you a minute. I feel it in the room. God gives you ways to start over. Why don't you just start over today? I read in the Bible. I read back there when Joshua got ready to go in the promises. Just like you are ready to go into the promises. But between him and the promises was a Jordan. Is that right? But it wasn't a Jordan at any time. It was a Jordan that had full banks. You say, why did it have full banks? Because the latter rains had come and the latter rains had blocked him off from that land. But you know what? God told him, Joshua, it's time for you to quit delaying these things. Rise up from where you are and cross this Jordan. You know what he did? He told the, he told the Pharisees, uh, excuse me, he told the doctors, he told the, the men of God, he said, put the, put the word upon your shoulders and take off towards that creek. You take off toward that river and when you step into it, it'll open up. Now they didn't know what was gonna happen when they got there, but they definitely knew they were packing the word that would change everything. They knew they had a word that could cause anything to happen. Brother, you know what they did when they put their foot in there? The waters of the Jordan dried up in front of them and they walked across dry trod into the promises of God. And listen, I'll tell you this, if you're ready to walk into the promises of God, God will dry up the Jordan. He'll pull back the Red Sea. God will make a way when there is no way because he remains. You said the Red Sea? Yes, sir. The Red Sea. You know what the prophet said? He said, God had Moses at the Red Sea to give you an example that when there is no way, God will make a way. And let me tell you, God's made a way by sending the message of the hour. 
You know what happened when they, when they crossed that sea? You know what they told them when they crossed that, that Jordan River? Hey, man, God told Joshua, he said, go get some stones and stack them up over here. You know what he did? He stacked up stones right where those priests stood that day. Stacked them up right there. Because whenever the waters begin to get lower, whenever the waters would be moved, they would be revealed again. Look at this. He also made a stack up on the bank at Gilgal. There were two stacks of stones according to scripture. Amen. Now you know that according to, to history, amen, that that is the same place that John the Baptist baptized Jesus Christ. And when they said, well, you belong to this and you belong to this, you know what it was? He said to them, God is able these stones to rise children under Abraham because if God gave a promise, he's somebody is gonna fulfill the promises of God. I don't care how long it's been. I don't care how much troubles has happened. God will fulfill his word. It's also prophesied that's the same place that Elijah parted the waters and walked across dry trod. And when Elisha got on the other side, amen, he didn't, amen, that, that, great, that great raiment, that great cloak began to come out of the rapture cycle and fell on the ground. Elisha didn't run around and say, oh, amen, prophet said this and, and the prophet said that. Hey, that's the garment that the prophet, hey, that's what the prophet wore. That's, that's what the prophet had. He didn't do that brother you know what he did he reached down and picked it up he took off the old clothes and he put on the new Elijah's message is a message of change it's time to change your garments take off this old coat and put on a new coat he took that coat and he struck the waters of the Jordan and he said where is the God of Elijah and Elisha picked up where Elijah left off. No, he wasn't a part of the first pool. No, he wasn't a part of the second pool. But he was a part of the third by predestination. So preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying if you say something about the third pool these days, there's a bunch of heretic preachers. They'll say, well, if you've got a third pool, where's your first pool? If you got a third pool, where's your second pool? Well, the first two pools were ministered by an angel in 1947. Come on, church. They were ministering angels, a sign of the hand, the gift of discernment, which was a messianic sign that was given one time to an age. Amen. But that third pull was the opening of seven seals, which hid our mystery of redemption before the. I'm a part of that third pull by predestination. The word is what's changing this bride. Notify somebody. There's a lot of people that's got their names on that book, but you're the first people to know your name is on that book. And I'll tell you something I like better than that. We as a bunch of preachers get the privilege to know we are preaching to people that's gonna be there. There ain't nothing in the world better than to know you're gonna be successful in what you're doing. And I am not preaching a message of rapture in vain, but there will be some that are sitting here today that will be a part. I feel change. Well, Brother Wayne, it's just been too long now. Tell me. God waited 40 years to put Joshua in the land, but when he went over, do you know what time of day it was? Do you know what time of year it was? Do you know the season it was? It was the same exact season when they come out as the very day they come out of Egypt. Yeah. 
When God had the children of Israel come out of Egypt in the Passover of Exodus 12, amen, God said, let it be a beginning of months unto you. They've been down there 400 years, but when God speaks to a prophet, things start over. Things begin when God's word comes to a prophet and they start it over. Look what happened. Amen, it broke open on them. A new beginning happened. Amen, you said preachers. New beginnings, of course. That's what happened at the Jordan. That's exactly the same season that Ruth came and Naomi into the Moabites. It's the same season and that's the season we are living in. Said, so preacher, how do we get there? Hey man, there is a lamb. It's a Passover lamb who took on our degradation, took on our humiliation. I don't know what pictures you're looking at, but they're very nice to our Lord. But in actuality, he had no loincloth. Now y'all, you young men here, despite you girls, you young men, one of you of you come up here and pull your shirt off and your pants and stand here and, stand here and your skippers. Why wouldn't you do it? It's humiliating, isn't it? It's shameful. Well, listen, they didn't even give your Lord that much grace. They put him before the entire world, stripped naked on a cross, beaten and riveted to shame him. You say, why would God allow it? Because you would never have to be ashamed again. He took every bit of the shame upon your lives and upon the sin and upon the struggles. That way, when you get ready to go into heavens, amen, you don't have to walk into heaven with your head bowed as a shameful bride, but you're gonna go back in the vesture of glory and of power, dressed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. There's no more shame left on her. There's no more the sin left on her. Not one speck of sin. A prophet has took the word and he's washed us and he's cleansed us. The Bible said there will be a spotless bride. It's not coming, brother. You are now the virtuous, sinless bride of Jesus Christ. I feel like I'm coming apart. Hallelujah. There's a God, there's a mercy. In his act of humiliation, he glorified you. In his act of shame, he took the shame off of you. There's no soap to do it. Come on, there's no, there's no man that could do it. But the blood that eased from his veins with the blood of Almighty God. It was a blood that washed. It's the fuller soap. It's the thing that can wash any heart. Brother, I'm talking about the blood of Jesus. I'm talking about the lowest drags of humanity. Bring them in. We'll wash them with the blood. We got a we got a soap that'll clean up their clothes. It'll clean up their hair. It'll clean up their makeup. It'll clean up their lives. This is the bleach of the blood. You don't have to humiliate yourself no longer, sister. He was made lower than the angels and took upon him the seed of Abraham and became the lowest among men being a footwork's flunky. He washed the stench from the feet of men who was much lower than him but being God, he could humble himself. Yeah. 
He could do what no man could do. No man could humble himself that low, but the king of all glory could take himself beneath the lowest sinners in town and wash their feet, amen, with the grace and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ to clean them up. You, you think about this. You think about this God that could change. He could so change lives. He could so change them that when he got done with them, the scripture says here, he said, who that can change our vile body? Look at this. He said, when you see all these problems come, look up. Your redemption, when you see Russia threatening, you see America bombing, when you see these problems happening, look up. Your redemption draweth nigh. Why are we looking up? Look what the scripture said. It said, for our conversation is in heaven, which also we look for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who can change our vile bodies. Because we're to look, the word look actually speaks about, amen, it looks, it's talking about people who have their conversation in heaven. Amen, when you read the, when you read the breakdown in the Greek on the word conversation there, do y'all know it actually speaks of a different kind of language? That the people who are in Christ speak a different kind of language. It's the truth. You have a language of faith and it's sponsored by the word of God. You were taught this in early stages of Christian life and the longer you speak it, the more developed you become and the more articulative you become and the more powerful your words become because it is the language of faith which God has given a master's degree in this age a perfect faith. We were not promised a perfect faith degree in the millennium but in the age of Laodicea when every devil and every struggle and every darkness is upon the earth, God said, I'll give you a language. I'll give you a language that will change things. It'll speak squirrels into existence. It'll change the atmospheres. It'll bring things back. It'll wash the heart of a sinner. It'll create an atmosphere in the church that change hearts and lives. What is it? It's a language that comes because we're citizens. Now, I tell you what, I, I, love how, I love how they rendered this part right here. Somebody wrote it. I don't even know who wrote it. I thought it was powerful. It said, we Christians are citizens of a kingdom, not of this world. It actually means we're a colony of heaven. Oh, then we're really not a British colony. We're a heavenly colony. Now some of you folks here is from Africa this morning know you grew up speaking French and you're from, and you're from a, a, a totally a country who was not French at all. But the moment the French conquered your country, the, the African languages became the language of their conquerors. That's why you can go to South Africa and you get the English and you go up to the Congo, you get the French. They still have a native language, but another language has overcome and they speak it predominantly over. And you go to one country, it's one language, one country, another language. It's the same continent, different languages because of the conquerors that live there. And so is it in the church of the living God. That's why you go to denominations and they speak a language and they speak Presbyterian and they speak Baptist and they speak Catholic. But there is a bride who has a restored language of the original conquering power of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the word of faith, Paul said, which we preach and it is nigh thee even in thy mouth. It's the most powerful language. 
It will help you produce the name of Jesus Christ to say it with clarity and power. And when you speak that name, of course, that language has a citizenship of language. The prophet of God said, listen to me. You should never say you're weak. Well, my faith is not very much. I'm not a very good Christian. That's just what the devil wants you to say. You're just talking his language. You must never say that. You remember your mama used to tell you, don't you say that word, I'm gonna wash your mouth out. I blew suds for years. I'd go to say something suds. Hey man, I had a good mama. Well, if you ever get the Holy Ghost, it's like having mama on the inside. You start to say something that ain't right and something will come on you and say, don't say that, boy. You start to say, well, I'm no good. Some said, don't you say that. Don't you go out with that because I have adorned you. I have washed you. I have clothed you. I said, come and walk with me. Thou art worthy. What right you've got to say you're not worthy? He said you're worthy. If he says you're worthy, you're worthy. I don't want to throw my wife under the bus, honey. I was walking through the house the other day and I said something real nice to her like, hey, I love you, honey. You sure are pretty today. Well, in a minute, she said something about cooking. I said, I sure do like my, I sure do like that cooking. She said, oh, it ain't no good. I said, look, I'm leaving this room. She said, what are you leaving the room for? I ain't gonna let you talk about my wife like that. <laughs> Listen to me, don't talk about God's bride like that. You are the bride of almighty God, the queen of all of heaven. What do you mean you're not worthy? What do you mean you can't do it? Of course you can do it. Through Christ you can do all things. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Of course I can change this body. Of course I can put on the elements and change this body. Of course I can. I can do all. You know, I met a guy over there and when Brother Matt and I were preaching. Uh, remember that the other day we were over there and, and uh, was at Wichita, wasn't it? With Brother Parker. That was a Brother Webster there. Good name, right? Webster. After the dictionary. <laughs> Brother Webster was a quadriplegic. Hey, Amen. And, and he was sitting in my services. Boy, he was shouting us down. I mean, he was enjoying that meeting. Got after the service and he got over where I was at. He said, preacher, now that's my kind of preaching. He said, I believe in the God of miracles. And there he sits without arms or legs. He said, I believe in that kind of God. I was preaching about one day God's gonna add limbs back, sitting in the middle of the meeting. He said, that's my promise. I'm believing that one. He said, let me tell you something, preacher. When I was a kid, he said, I got burned up in a fire and they didn't expect me to live. He said, they took me down to the hospital. He said, and they didn't care for my wounds because I was af- they was afraid that I would never recover. He said, so the infection set in. They had to cut all my limbs off to keep it from killing me. He said, so my grandpappy and them took me in because my parents didn't want me. He said, when they took me home and they started raising me, he said, I think he was about 10 years old. He said, I was out one day. He said, I was standing by a pond. The guy was fly fishing out there. And he said, I thought, by that was the prettiest thing I ever saw, somebody fly fishing. He said, I got to telling that guy how I wanted to fly fish. He said, he told me, he said, you can't do this. You'll never be able to fly fish. 
He said, well, I went back home. He said, and I told my grandpa, he said, I was a crying, who wouldn't have it? He said to me, son, what's wrong with you? He said, well, he said, I wanted to fly fish and I can't fly fish. He said, who said you can't fly fish? He said, well, that guy down there, he said, son, I want to show you something. And they took him inside. He said, Brother Wayne, he went in there and he said he found the old dictionary. I thought it was good. It was a Webster, you know. An old dictionary down there. He said he pulled that dictionary up and opened to the page of the, of the, of the cans and where the can't should be. He said, but instead of the word can't, he said there was just a big black blob. He said it had just been marked out right there. He said, do you see can't in this dictionary? He said, no, it's not in this dictionary. He said, when my... Your grandma and me brought you home. We knew you were going to be a special child. So we took the dictionary out and we marked that out of the dictionary so that you would never think you can't do anything. And I think it's time to take Kent out of the church of the living God. Yes, we can. We can change our body. We can change the situation. Things can happen in our lives. It's time to change our language. You've underestimated these men of God. You've underestimated these brides. Yes, they can. I expect fully for things to change. I expect fully for life to come and change these mortal bodies because the Bible said, look for it. Any true expectations built by the word. Any true expectations built by the word. The prophet of God said, if you can expect it to happen, if it's built on something. And any true expectation is built on the word. All Christianity is based on faith. And as much faith as you can have, as much power as you can have. The only thing that limits your power is your faith. And if you turn faith loose, all things are possible to them that believe. As you release your faith, you release it. You're releasing it upon the things of God. Do you know that Jesus taught that his word, his word was a seed? Now, these promises that are laying here in the message of expectation, Brother Branham begins to quote these promises. And he begins to say the gospel didn't come to us in word only, but in power and demonstration. He says, these signs shall follow them to lead. Now, just teaching the word's not going to do this. You've got to have the power of the Holy Ghost behind that word to make it come to life again. Brother Branham said, you say, Brother Branham, those things were written 2,000 years ago. He said, listen, I want every critic to know this. He said, the other day in Life Magazine, Garners of Egypt got some of that wheat that was put there during Joseph's time. They took it and planted it in the ground and it growed. That seed was 4,000 years old and it growed. Listen to me. If a natural seed can grow after 4,000 years, what about the seed word promises that are made to this generation? I know Paul promised this to the church 2,000 years ago, but brother, there's a germ in that seed. And when the Holy Ghost comes upon the seed, it begins to manifest whatever's on the inside this gospel, I'm gonna skip a bunch here. This gospel, of course, is the gospel of power. It's the gospel that will quicken the church and will transform it. The prophet of God said, if you want something to come to pass, take the word and plant it in your heart. If you wanna go in the rapture, if you wanna be a genuine Christian, place the word. 
Ezekiel said, take this scroll and eat it up. Then we find out that the opening of the seven seals are a part of your change. Isn't it amazing that the opening of the book is what John was asked to eat? That he was gonna be asked to devour seed that had been sealed up and had been waiting for the time of manifestation which would be the manifestation of the sons of God. Do you know the whole earth has been waiting for this? Can you imagine this? That the Bible said the whole earth was waiting and groaning for the manifestation of sons. When this word is restored to sons, according to the Bible, the moon and the sun and the planets and the earth is waiting for that time. Do you know the sons getting a hold of the word will set everything back in order. It will deliver nature. It'll deliver that the lion will lay down with the lamb. It'll deliver us from time to eternity. I'm talking about the word now. It will, it will do exactly what God promised. Now, if that word will do that for nature and that word will do that, amen, for the planet, what would the opening of the seals do for our lives? Now, what it is, is God brings to us Amen, a word. Now the right mental attitude toward that word will bring it to pass. Look what he said. You ought to take that scroll and eat it up. That is the original seed. Now somebody said, Brother Wayne, someday this is gonna happen. Brother Bram said that prophet and the word would be one as the ark and the word of God. And God has promised this word and how to be fulfilled and how it will come to pass. He chose his bride, how it would be done and it's happening right before you in the name of the Lord. Brother Wayne, how is all this gonna happen? Brother Bram says it's happening before you in the name of the Lord. Brother Wayne, how am I gonna do all these things? It's happening right now. Turn and tell somebody it's happening. Now the seed cannot grow in an atmosphere of wisdom. The Holy Ghost seeds of this Bible cannot grow in the atmosphere of wisdom. Now, quote the prophet directly. But if you can get the atmosphere, we already have the word. It's not coming another prophet. The message of William Branham is the message of our change. The opening of the seven seals is the release of the bride of Jesus Christ to every promise that's ever been given. We already have the word. God, give us an atmosphere that'll make every word come to pass in its moment in time. Now, you said, preacher, what are you talking about? I'm talking about you can go through, you can go for a long time and you got the word and you got the word and you got the word, but all of a sudden atmosphere change, instant, almost in the twinkling of an eye. Thought it would never change, changed. You walk out of the building completely different than when you came in. So Brother Wayne, it can't happen. It's Heather Cross here sitting right back there. I got this from David so I wouldn't mess it up. Amen, Heather come to these meetings, it's two years ago now, right? One year ago, Heather came to these meetings. When she came in here, she had been suffering with 15 years of extremely painful arthritis. All kinds of doctors in the country couldn't figure out what was going wrong. 
But Joe Adams told her he felt led to have her come through the prayer line. And upon Saturday night, he motioned her up in the prayer line. And when y'all started praying, there was an intense and radiant heat in front and above me and Heather and I. And as it was standing behind her, the swelling that she had experienced for that long drive from Louisiana started going down over the next few days. And she has been 100% better, completely healed in one moment. It was a tremendous miracle. God was so gracious to give our family. 15 years of meetings. 15 years sitting in meetings just like this and over and over and over and over thinking about that healing. But in one moment, under inspiration, Joe Adams felt led of God and God honored his leadership and the power of God healed her. And today she's such a healed woman because of the atmosphere and the word of God came together. If he can change, if he can change the joint, he can change the whole body. If he can change the liver, he can change the whole body. If he can add the eye, he can add everything. Oh, Brother Wayne, it's been too long. Don't you go and tell me you can't. Don't you tell me this can't happen. It's been too long. Well, I love this Bible because it's full of people that it looked like things were just too long. 12 years. 12 years, I believe it was she bled. Wasn't it 12 years? Let me ask you this. How many hospital bills and doctor bills does a woman pile up in 12 years? What would her coffee table look like after 12 years of a blood issue that she couldn't get over? Amen, doctor visit after doctor visit after doctor visit. Amen, going to the sanctuary and offering lambs and asking for healing and doing everything that is possible. Amen, 12 years. But somebody said there was this Messiah on the earth, but never mind him because he's just an illegitimate man and he has no real teaching. He has nobody really behind him. He's just kind of a free-for-all out there. We really don't know about that guy. Amen. But she had never saw him. But when she heard, he was passing by her way. Something happened in her little heart and said, he's the only hope I got. And the Bible says she went out there on the street and she was so shameful, brother. Her lifestyle, being under what she was, she couldn't even touch him. But she said, if I could just touch the him of the garment of this man, then I would be whole. And the moment she touched him, look what happens. He turned and said, virtue has gone from me. What was it? 12 years. And in an instant, she was completely whole. He said, preacher, I don't know about all these things. What about a man late 38 years? He laid 38 years. Most of you ain't even 38 years old. He laid 38 years at the pool waiting for a healing for his body. But the angel wasn't coming, but they knew he was coming. So they just kept waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Oh, but one day, Jesus come walking by the well and took one man out of them all. He said, why are you, why are you lame? Why, why ain't you been healed? How long have you been coming here? How long have you been attending these meetings? How long, why ain't you healed? He said, well, there ain't no man to help me in the water. 
Oh, brother, I tell you, he's the man that can. He's the man that can help you when nobody else can help you, when nobody else will help you, when nobody else sees your trouble, when nobody else thinks anything about you. There's one here that cares about you and your situation. I don't care how long. I think it's safe to say his friends were tired of hearing him whining. I think it was safe to say he had laid there so long and everybody said, don't mind him. I don't think he's ever gonna do anything. He's gonna lay here the rest of his life. There's never gonna come no change to him. Oh, but brother, that morning was his morning. That day was his day. When Jesus come walking by, amen, 38 years. Jesus said, take your bed and walk. I tell you, don't lay there another day. Don't lay there another hour. Take up your bed and walk. Oh, Brother Wayne, I tell you, things, things happen so long. Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. How long was Georgia Carter laying on the bed? Nine years the little girl laid there. I tell you what, when I study these things, sometimes they just blow me away. Why would God let a girl lay nine years in that kind of shape? Her church, her church took away all hope. Her church, even her mama was a believer in Jesus, but she said, God don't do them kind of things no more. That's not the age for that. God don't work miracles like that. You might as well just lay there and forget all about this healing power and all this supernatural stuff. That's in days gone by, but the little girl got a hold of a book. Can I say this? She smelt the water. And brother, she knew somewhere there was a healing for her body. God sent a prophet down there nine years. Now, now it's, a, it's an amazing story, and I won't go into all of it, but I want to tell you this part of it. When Brother Branham got a vision, it was for one. And when he got that vision, he went in the room where she was. And remember what he said? He said, Georgie Carter, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up from that bed. How many knows what she was sick with? She was sick with tuberculosis. Tuberculosis caused by an effect of her uncle raping her and putting this kind of disease in this child's body. Amen. Some emotional hurt had so become real that it had affected the way she could live. And now she was full of tuberculosis and she was laying there dying. But a prophet stood there with a vision of God and said, today is a day of change. Rise up from your bed, Georgie. And you say, preacher, what's so important about that? How did she get out of bed, brother? How'd she do it? Her legs had been laying there so long, she had no power. She had no ability to walk. But the God that told her to get up was the same God that could give her power to walk. And I don't care how long you've been laying in the depths of sin and struggles of your life or whose fault it is you're there. Forget it all. Rise up from your bed and begin to walk in the power of God. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you, as a preacher, I read these things differently, and I'll tell you what blew my mind. When I read it was tuberculosis that got her. When I read that, I sat there and just labored over that a minute, and I said, dear God, this is not very many years past. William Branham has lost his own wife to tuberculosis, and now he's standing there in the face of the same demon that took his wife, but under a vision he knew that God is still God. It doesn't matter if someone dies with a disease, it meant it was their time to go. It does not mean that God lost his power over the disease. 
the same thing. You say, preacher, what are you trying to get at? I'm trying to get at something right here that you're able to walk. I say you're able to walk today because God has given it to you. Amen. There is one here right now that can change your body. There's somebody in this building can change your body. You say, we've been waiting. I know he's coming. I know he's coming. I know the Lord is coming. Keep looking for him. I know he's coming. You say, but what happens if I pass before he comes? It's in the Bible already. Amen. They came to him and they said, Jairus' daughter is sick. Will you come and pray? He said, yes, I will come to her. And he started on his way, but he was late getting there because in the middle of his journey, they came and said, the girl already died. Never mind. He said, no, I'll go wake her. Somebody said, what does he mean by that? Brother Brown said it meant this. It meant that her name was predestinated before the foundation of the world. And though she was sleeping, she could never die. And he didn't only say it, he proved it. When he went down to her house and he called her name, what did he do? He dismissed the believer, unbelievers. He dismissed the make-believers and had a resurrection with just a little group of people. And I'll tell you what, this end time resurrection is going to take place. Somebody said, well, my loved one was already went on. This one's already went on. You will lose nothing waiting on Jesus. You will lose nothing waiting on Jesus. When Jesus gets here, every believer that has been placed into the grave, he will raise them up out of the grave. He'll call their name and no grave can hold. I don't care if they've been there 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. I don't care how long they're there. When he speaks, the graves will open and they will raise from the dead. Now Job said it. He said, when he calls, I will answer. Let me tell you this morning, friends, he's calling. Some of you are already resurrected. I'm late, I know. Let our musicians come. Some of God's already called some of you. You've already been resurrected. You said already? Brother Bram said your soul has already been changed. You've already left cigarettes. You've already left tobacco. You've already left the habits of the world. The spirit quickening power of Jesus Christ is already working on you. The same one. My, I hate time. The same one that raised them is here to raise you. Whether they're sleeping in the grave or they're alive. So, Brother Wayne, what's the mystery of this? Brother Bram said, that Abraham and Sarah received the word and their body materialized around that word. He said, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying in John 14 and 19, it said, because I live, you live also. What a resurrection that was. What a resurrection this is. See, two, live, two lives. One's for the bridegroom. One's for the bride. But in John 14 and 20, it says this, and at that day, you will know that I am the Father, the Father, me and I and you. And Brother Bram said, what does that mean? It means God will become tangible. He will take on flesh. The changer is already in you. 
the thing that'll change your body's in you. If they put me in the ground, I'm coming up. Nobody got to do nothing. Nobody got to say anything. He'll call and I'll answer. Oh my goodness. It's a change. What'll happen, Brother Branham? He said, well, he said, there'll be just a change come over you. Somebody said, Brother Wayne, I think when the saints appear that it's gonna bring this quickening power upon the church and then we're all gonna be changed. Well, you can say that. Because Brother Bram said maybe at one place, he said, you'll be out there hanging your clothes. Isn't that beautiful? Not any special day. Sister, you're hanging your clothes. And you look over and there stands a loved one. He said, then you'll be changed. But don't get hung up there. Because there's another one that he says. You'll get up, maybe you'll be standing there. And he said, all of a sudden, this change will come over you. He said, then you'll look around and you'll begin to see the loved ones that have went on already. Some of you will be changed and see them. And some of you will be seeing them and be changed. What difference does it make? You're going to change. Brother Wayne, what's going to happen? We're going to be changed. The living will be changed. The dead will be changed. He'll change us all. If you're in the grave, Brother Bram said you're theophany, you'll come back and get this physical body that was in the ground. The redeemed one, he'll come back and get it and he'll raise it up. Brother Bram said there's going to be your immortal body. A theophany and a human body together makes a glorified body. Now, that, that stuff gets deep, and I don't want to teach on it, but I'll say this. Somebody will say from the Hebrew series, Brother Bram said, your soul is your theophany. Yes, he did say that. He said it before the fifth seal. But after the fifth seal, if you'll study, Brother Bram changed his teaching a bit and showed you the souls under the altar was speaking of the Jew and not the bride. So the soul wasn't meaning theophany. After the seals, he taught us that it was an actually a body, a tabernacle that you move into after you die. Right? Holding place. But what about if we're alive? He said that body would come get us. Can you imagine? Right now that spirit that keeps sweeping through this room back and forth is preparing you for change. The, the feeling of that anointing when it comes, that sweeping spirit, is the same thing that changes your body. Amen. The seed is already planted. Amen. We're looking for the atmosphere to change. Amen. I say let us have a body change in atmosphere. Welcome the one that changes everything. Can you imagine right now? Can you imagine this right now? If you looked up, Brother Charlie come walking out on the platform with us. Don't think I'm a fool. 
going to happen. Some of you are going to see it. I, I really believe God will let some of the dear ones to us. I believe that. We may be having these fall meetings and Sister Karen come. I think the last time I was in a good meeting with Sister Karen, she was running, she was literally running around the place. She was supposed to be uh, supposed to be in a bed with stroke or something. Somebody sang a song. She took off. I seen I seen a miracle running the building. I believe this. I believe we can look around and 18 year old sister Karen come running right through here with us. So I don't believe all that running stuff. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You let me look in a mirror at a 21 year old man, you ain't never seen a fit in your life. You ain't never seen shouting. You ain't never seen dancing. Jimbo, if you looked over right now, Sister Karen standing with her arm around you, I figure a jig would be in that order. <laughs> so, Brother Wayne, I don't know about all that. Listen, amen, I don't know about you, but when I get in heaven, I'm going to have the time of my life. But why wait till we get to heaven? I already got a promise. And if I act like this with promise, what's it gonna be when it actually changes on our flesh? This ain't a pipe dream. This ain't an imagination. The feeling that's in our body will develop the change of the twinkling of an eye and we'll have new bodies. The dead will be raised. Brother, I tell you, you ain't never, you ain't never experienced nothing like what we're about to experience. It won't just be Brother Branham. It won't be just Brother Tim. It won't be just Brother Wayne and Apostle Paul. It won't just be the men of God who's been through the ages. Come on, y'all know what Brother Branham said. He said he'd let us get together. He said he'd let us meet one another. He said he'd get all of that out of the way. He said because the next thing we were going to do, we were going to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother, let me tell you something. You can say he's just a figment. You can say he's just a spirit. You can say whatever you want to say. But that is my Jesus. And one of these days I'm going to put my hands on those nail scarred feet. I'm going to put my hands upon the face that died for me. I'm going to be able to touch the body. Brother, it's a promise I'm going to see him. And I'm going to be with him throughout eternity. You can call me a fool. You can call me crazy. But brother, one of these mornings you'll call me gold. I won't be here. I won't be on this earth no more. I'm going to go home with my Lord. I believe it. If you say, Brother Wayne, there's a lot more to it. I agree. I got a bunch more here. But I don't have time to preach it today. Friends, Change. Is upon us. I believe it today. God bless you.
Hallelujah. Sing this with us. And one day we're called to take a step towards my the offered me. And one day we're gonna take another step into my the offered me. And one day I know that final step. A little higher uh, into the perfect world. Oh, come on. A little higher into the agape world. Oh, come on. A little higher. Soaring through the heavenly mind, the opening. Oh, can't you hear it? another doorway and it leads to the heavenly shore oh cause over there there's no more heartache there's no sorrow grief no pain just perfect love oh peace and joy beyond
be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, I said I wouldn't go tell nobody.
This is time to make things right. It's going on. It's a time of change. This is a time to let bitterness go. Forgive. Made a way. 
Would you bow your heads just a moment as I speak to you as a minister of the gospel. We've heard the word preached today and the word was preached under the anointing. We're in the time of change. We're in the moment, an hour. We were told, reminded that the next thing is the rapture. This is our expectation. The last October meeting, we had a going home sermon. It told us of the troubles that we'd face in the time ahead. This year, God has given us another going home sermon. We're going home. We're leaving this realm. We're going to be changed in a moment. And the twinkling of an eye. But you see, you've got to have a token to go. Nobody's just going to go. You can go down to the airport and say, I won't get on the plane. You can't go unless you've got a ticket. The fare's got to be paid. You've got to be able to present that it was done for you. Jesus Christ is the one who paid the price. We know that. The token is available for every person. The Holy Spirit would come along and as he said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. My sons, my daughters shall prophesy. They'll dream dreams. These are things that are promised in the last day and God comes along and he confirms it that I am here in your midst. Then we come right along that There are those still that need to repent. There are those that have come down to this altar today and they're kneeling here. But I know there are prodigals in this building. I know there are sinners that are away from God that never have really accepted Christ. I also know that there are those that need to repent. Sin has come in their lives, their homes, separated families. Is causing separation at home and stubbornness and rebellion is there and selfishness has caused it all. You're invited to repent. You can't go to heaven like that. You say, well, there needs to be a change in my family. It begins with you, brother. Needs to be a change in my family. It needs begins with you, sister. Why don't you ask God to come right now and change me? We're singing about the blood applied. Apply the blood to that situation. Get so full of the Holy Ghost. You're so full of the love of God that sin has no more place in your life. And that there's a love that comes out of you that makes you love God with all of your heart. And that love will cause you to love your family, to love one another. No one will enter there without perfect love. No one. Without that perfect love, you won't be there. The perfect love is the Holy Ghost. And Brother Brandon went beyond the curtain of time, said no one would enter here without perfect love, and said this is what you preached. What's the Holy Ghost? You need that Holy Spirit in your life. You can't even say, I love my son, my daughter, my children. You can't even express it right without the Holy Ghost. Why don't you let him change you today? The Holy Spirit bid come. 
Don't remain in your stubbornness and your sin. While there is opportunity, come. Let the blood be applied.
trouble, every worry, every burden. Through his love. 
Just tell them now, take my heart, take my heart, take my life as a living sacrifice for my dreams, all my grace, and Lord.
bridge has the dark clouds rise they won't worry me for I'm sheltered safe in the arms of God oh he walks with me and all of can
Oh! 
Jesus, I want. 